0: She left her 10-year marketing career and in just two years has built her dream career. It's absolutely incredible. This story is one that I couldn't help but share with you and I think it will inspire you as well as leave you with some actionable tips and steps if you find yourself in a similar position. If you are working a job or have a salary that you're comfortable with or are part of you know the corporate ladder right now and you enjoy it or you enjoy aspects of it but you know that there's something you want to do or that you want more for your life, maybe you want more flexibility, or you wanna go out on your own or you wanna try something on your own, but the idea of leaving what's comfortable and secure stresses you out or you don't even know where to start when it comes to finding your first client and figuring out how to get anything rolling this episode is for you. I am talking with my friend Shannon of The Social Bungalow, and she has such an incredible story. And she's also giving us a lot of nuggets of wisdom, some practical, actionable steps when it comes to sales, marketing, getting your first client, getting started, and what that process and decision-making process from corporate job or secure salary to taking a risk and a leap of faith and building a dream career can really look like. So I'm not going to ramble much longer. I'm just going to dive right into this episode with Shannon. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. All right, guys, I have a special treat for you today. My friend Shannon is here with me. Shannon, say hey. Hey. <laughs> Hey guys, so excited to be here. Shannon has such a cool story. I met her not too long ago, about a year year and a half ago, and we've just been connected. And I've loved watching her journey. And when I first met her, it was really only just over a year ago. Um, she was really new to starting her own business. Probably were you about? What were you about a year into it at that point? Maybe a little less than a year. Yep. Okay. No, just about a year. Okay. So, to see how much you have grown and done so much, so many incredible things this year has been so fun to watch. And it's been such an honor to see and to observe and cheer you on from the sidelines. But, you guys, if you are in the beginning of your journey or you're trying to decide if you want to start a business or you're trying to figure out how to get your first clients or market or anything like that, we're going to talk through all of those things today. And we're going to go through Shannon's story and her journey a little bit. Shannon, would you mind sharing? Um, I know that you left a full time job. So, maybe mm-hmm. you can just give us a little bit of your background first and kind of walk us through what was that full-time job like? What did you do? What field did you work in?
1: And that will kind of pivot into how that led you to where you are today. Totally. So I was a career long marketer and I absolutely loved the craft of marketing. It fell into my lap organically over uh, 10 years ago. I think it's 12 now, which is dating me. But Mm -hmm. I went in and was a social media manager at a time when it was just kind of Facebook and Twitter. And absolutely loved what it was that you can do with messaging to help people. Mm -hmm. And with that, falling in love with persuasion over manipulation, I really dug into learning all of the other elements of marketing that I could. So I just sponged it up. And when I realized how much was possible, I then moved to a different company as like a marketing manager and then on and on throughout the corporate ladder to director of marketing to VP of marketing. And I did that over the course of a decade. My last company was a group fitness franchise. I had the opportunity to work with A-Rod and J-Lo. And it was an amazing opportunity. (laughs) Yeah, so cool. And I... I always knew with my industry that it's very, you know, digital marketing, it's very remote, and that there was a potential Mm -hmm. of doing my own thing or even just freelancing. I didn't know what it would be, but there was always a quiet whisper in my heart. Mm -hmm. And until I got the title in the office and felt like, okay, I I finally did this, Mm -hmm. then it was like a veil dropped. And I was able to see beyond myself of what Mm -hmm. I ultimately wanted and who I ultimately wanted to serve. Mm -hmm. So with that, it was then like this awakening. And I felt able to do so much more, but I had no idea what that would be. And of course, I knew my expertise was in marketing, but for whom and how and could I do it on my own? So that just set me off on this self and professional discovery journey on starting from square one with a really stellar expertise, but in a way that was completely and totally the Wild West.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's so different when you go out on your own. But I love that you... And what I think is so awesome about your journey is you took your entire background and everything that you became an expert in, and you transitioned that into doing your own thing in just a different way in a different format, probably in a more creative, personal way that's probably more fulfilling to you, correct? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yeah. And I wanted to point that out just because, I mean, it's not that that's the only way to start a business. But what I have found is a lot of women want to start a business and they're like, but I don't know on what. But I work in this field and I I want to go start my own thing. And they almost like discredit all of the experience that they actually have, even if maybe the format or the way in which they're doing it isn't as fulfilling as they thought it would be. So they think, oh, well, I should just never do anything with nursing again, or I should just (laughs) never do anything with teaching again or marketing again, or whatever it is to where maybe the... What you were doing wasn't really, didn't feel like the right fit, even though you have this expertise now. So I love that you were able to say, Hey, I, I'm interested in this. I'm good at it. I have 10 plus years of experience in it, but now I'm able to make this transition into maybe doing it a little bit differently.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think there's a, A natural through line when you say went to college for your expertise and then you went into a career field Mm -hmm. working for someone else where you're like, yes, this is my expertise. I went to school, I went to corporate and here I am maybe going out on my own. Mm -hmm. But the other side of it, when you didn't set off in that direction and it was, quote unquote, just a job or you fell into it, you almost don't view it as yours because you're working for somebody else Mm -hmm. doing this and it it just kind of happened to you. And so it's easy to sit down and say, like, well, in my personal life, um, I really like to write and um, I ride my bike a lot. Like, what do I yeah. know? Yeah. But actually taking ownership of what you do, even, you know, let's say you're an HR manager, yeah. you teach, you're organized, you help people, you've got customer service skills. Like There's so much that you have when you work for someone, even if you didn't set off in that direction purposefully.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I'm so glad you said that. And I hope if you're listening, you took note of that. Rewind to listen to that again, because I think we all need to hear that. It can be so easy to not... When it's not directly ours, sometimes we don't equate it to being an ownable skill and something we could really go do something and make a huge splash with in our own way. So... Thank you for saying that. Um, Okay. I would love to know a little bit more of what was that decision making process like? So this fire is lit in you, you get to this, you know, the fancy office, you get to this place where in, maybe in your mind, you had made it to where you thought you wanted to be in that industry, but that still small voice that had kind of been pushing you to think maybe I could do it on my own. What was that decision making process like for you? How long did that take you to decide
1: I could really do this? I would love to know what that looks like. Yeah, totally. The decision-making process probably took me a couple months. And those two months were spent in my free time. I was almost... Like subconscious. It wasn't super intentional. Scrolling Instagram and you know, looking up some of the people who had their own businesses on Pinterest and just kind of Mm -hmm. falling down this rabbit hole of like, oh wow, okay, that's what's possible. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can see how that. And I just kind of needed to reroute my neurons to understand what can happen for self. Mm -hmm. And after that happened, it was it was enough evidence that I could do something similar that I then said, okay, the decision is I'm doing it. Now I know from my marketing experience that I need niche, I need service. I need an ideal client or customer. So started mapping that out, probably took a month. And from that, so let's say we're now at three months of decision making and then into actually mapping out foundations. Mm -hmm. It was about five months from there when I actually left my corporate job. So let's call that eight months. Is that the math? Seven, seven, eight months. And um, so, yeah, so from from excitement, from spark to here's my two weeks, it was Mm -hmm. seven, eight months. And what I did in that latter part was really create a financial runway. It's Mm kind of like when you get your oil changed and they're like 3,000 miles or three months, whichever comes first. Mm -hmm. I knew that I either was going to, at the end of this five-month mark, leave, whether or not I'd made it with clients or Mm -hmm. not. Or by the time I had three strong clients under my belt and then leads in the pipeline, that's when I would leave. And it kind of happened at the same time hmm. that uh, those two triggers hit.
0: Okay, I love that you said you kind of created a financial runway. Let's let's park there for a second. So you, mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, did you get your first client before you left your job or after you left your job? It sounds like it was before, correct?
1: Yes, I had three clients before I left.
0: See, I want to drill this in because I think sometimes we get so scared. Like many of the women that we've talked to and just either they've been in our programs or they've listened to the podcast, they have this vision and this dream to start a start a business, but it's so scary because I think there's this narrative that like you leave your job and then you go start the business. But what you really mm-hmm. did was you kind of had a little bit of an overlap to give yourself a deadline so you didn't, you know, I would say stay comfortable for too long, but you also built this a little bit of financial runway and locked in a couple of clients. And I think there's so much wisdom to that. Honestly, had I started my business when I was working in a full-time job, I would have done the same thing. I just did it slightly differently. When I started as a senior in college, I had a six-month runway to figure out like, can I get some sales? Can I make this thing work and transition that into my career? And I had six months to do that. And it sounds like you took about eight months from the time of like, am I going to do this? Am I not? Okay, I'm going to do it. Now I have another five months to really make a plan here, right? So, mm-hmm. I think that's just important to hear for so many people. I would love to also just dig into how did you get your first client? So, you're working in this in this industry for this company, you have a full-time job there. What was the process of finding and landing and securing your first client like?
1: Yes. So, I have I'm going to kind of put them into two buckets. I had a couple side hustle things that I was doing while I was figuring everything out that I don't count as my first clients because they were kind of the clarity jumpers. Mm -hmm. And then I had my services defined and I had my clients. So let me start from the beginning. I first reached out to my sphere of influence. Being in this industry for a good amount of time, I had LinkedIn, Facebook, professional and personal contacts that I wrote a message to that was simply, Hey, how are you? I'm doing my good old marketing, same thing, but I want to do it for individuals and really help those that need some marketing support on the back end. Do you have anybody... That is an entrepreneur or small business owner that, you know, would need some help. And through that, I got a children's consignment store that needed some marketing help. So I worked with them mm-hmm. and then a fitness influencer gal and I worked with her. So those were my first two people that I was toggling kind of as a freelance uh, outsource director of marketing mm-hmm. slash implementer mm-hmm. at the same time. And those two gave me so much clarity that I didn't want to be the done for you behind the scenes person anymore. I really wanted to do strategy, high level teach mm-hmm. support. Mm-hmm. And so that was, it was a ton of work to balance then kind of two full-time clients at the same time. Through that process, I said, okay, if I'm going to be teaching people, providing strategy without doing it for them, how can I do this in a way that really sets them up for success and doesn't leave them high and dry to where they're like, I get it, but I have no idea how to actually push the buttons Mm -hmm. on the back end. Mm So I got some fellow contractors that I could outsource to. I got their rates and then built in profit for myself. So I wasn't just kind of taking money from one hand and giving it to the other. Mm -hmm. Created packages. And from there, my first official client with those came through a free resource. I believe it was a "Quote unquote done for you marketing plan. Do these five things every day, and you'll be able to, you know, brand equity, awareness, and and grow your business. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of opt-ins for that. I put it out on Instagram, which I had started an Instagram for the business, and on Pinterest. When somebody opted in for the free resource, they gave me their email, and then I sent them an automated five email follow up sequence full of additional value, but then also pitching, "Hey, do you want to hop on the phone and talk a little bit more about your business and see if I can support you in it." That really did have quite a few people coming through for complimentary strategy sessions. Mm -hmm. And that is how I sold my first client on the new package.
0: Interesting. Okay. First of all, I love that it was a children's consignment job for the first one. (laughs) I'm not sure that you would say that's your ideal client anymore, but that we all start somewhere. And I love that because you do have to just kind of get your hands dirty and go, okay, I'm going to try these different avenues and then I'm going to hone in on, okay, who is it that I want to serve? And also putting together a package like that. I think you wouldn't have learned that had you not stepped into it and used your contacts, which requires being proactive. And I love that part of your story because it does take a little bit of grit and it, and it takes putting yourself out there in a slightly uncomfortable way. And, and I think remembering, you know, I think someone could easily look at where you are now where it's only been what two years now. Are you full time? Two years? Yep, two years. Okay. So two years into your journey, you're already here. And it's so e- it could be so easy to look at where you're at and go, oh my gosh, I can never do that. And I just want to encourage anyone who's listening, who maybe on the on the fence or in a similar position to, when, to where Shannon was, to be thinking about how you can be proactive and also think about where could I be in two years if I were, if I reached out to some of those LinkedIn contacts, if I you know took on maybe the client that wasn't ideal but would allow me to learn my systems or figure out what people really need for me, and then I can hone that in more and more. So just a piece of encouragement there for anyone who's listening, Shannon. I would love to also know I. Remember Remember when we first met a while back, you had shared with me that you figured out how to make $10,000 a month before you had 10,000 followers on Instagram. And I think this is really mm-hmm. powerful because I think sometimes we think I need to have a huge following before I can make five figures a month or make this anything that would allow me to hire other people or pay myself full-time. Tell us a little bit about that. Was th- was that through the package that you created? What was kind of the process to getting to that point and that milestone?
1: Yeah, totally. So, with a small audience, let's say you have 100 raving fans, 1,000 really plugged in people. You are, with your business profiles, intentionally growing your audience by proxy of a, a few go to tactics. You are putting out great content and your hashtags are really plugged into finding that person. You're going to your say competitors profiles and seeing who's interacting with them and interacting with those people. You're putting forth the time and the effort to not only find those people, attract them to you, but then also relationship build. And when you're doing that intentionally, it can be time consuming. And so I find it to be a true luxury to have a smaller audience because you can truly get your arms around everyone and make sure that you're able to treat them like qualified leads, nurture them to the point of pitching and then potentially conversion. So mm-hmm. don't think that you are you need a big audience for this completely and totally. I think that not only under 10,000 but I think I was under 5,000 when that first happened. So completely very doable. Another thing is that we, when we're getting into this in the beginning, we're thinking, okay, how can I structure this package and do that, and, and you know, make my content good enough and my imagery and I, There's me, me, me. There's so much to do, and truly, there is. It's your business, but your business exists to solve problem, to support, to help other people. So if you stay very rooted in how can I make this experience or this result. Or even just the release of if you're doing mindset work or coaching, this limiting belief, how can I make this so excellent for the individual, that word of mouth, that them shouting me from the rooftops is like wildfire after we work together to where then a referral-based system helps be the gasoline on your fire for growth and you're not needing to do so much output and attraction marketing to sell your services constantly. You get to show up and come from a nurture place. That makes a huge difference. So I really focused on both of those loving on and going down deep with advice and insights on the free side of the fence with my small but mighty audience operating from excellence with those individuals and then having them come through with referrals for because good people know good people who Mm -hmm. need very similar things Mm -hmm. and then having that referral based system as well
0: with two little kids i do most of my shopping online now but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because i never know if i'm getting good quality until it arrives the game changer upgrading to high quality affordable pieces from quince now i have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next and i stayed on budget Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she.
1: Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until
0: the Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m.
1: The office was shocked.
0: That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime.
1: Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at Canva.com. Designed for work. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework,
0: Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. I'm also curious, this is something I get asked about a lot. So I'm curious what your process was. When you first started, did you have your full website done? Like when you started your business, did you have a website or did you have more of just like a landing page that would lead to a freebie, lead to the emails? You touched on that briefly, but I'm curious because I think that's a hang up for a lot of people. They're like, what's my brand? What's my website? So what? when did you actually choose When, from a marketing perspective, especially as a marketer um, in a Mm -hmm. marketing business, how soon in the process did you decide to do
1: that? I did not have a website. I couldn't tell you for how long. It was actually fairly early on because I too fell victim to that. I need a website. Mm -hmm. And I think especially so as a marketer, I felt coming from the corporate world that that was such a authority driver Mm -hmm. that people didn't trust you actually had what you said you had until they could go to your website. So Mm -hmm. I felt like that would be the same situation. So I didn't have it right out of the gate. What I did, though, was use my email marketing software. I had ConvertKit at the time, and they create little landing pages for you. And so with the landing page, I would put up a little detail about the free resource and then the opt-in fields or about one of my services, but mostly I was operating from Instagram, treating that like my website. And then when I had a lead, we'd do a sales call and I'd send them a custom proposal that I would make in Canva so that, which is a graphic design, um, do it yourself service so that I had it a little bit more beautifully done versus just sending them over a PDF. And that was really my main jam, in a landing page, an Instagram post, and then a proposal made in Canva. Yeah. From there, though, I did get a brand and a website pretty quickly. And I I mean, not, we're not going to say regret because we learn from all of our things. But I did end up reiterating the brand. It was completely not what I ultimately wanted. And I just kind of felt low budget, stuck with it. And then with the website, it was beautiful, and I spent a nice chunk of change that was really the chunk that I had to spend. It went all into the website. But it only served me for so long because if you are planning out, let's say steps one through 10, by this time you get from step one through three, step four through six looks massively different and it Mm -hmm. should. You're a business owner, you're an entrepreneur, you're going to be constantly innovating. Mm -hmm. And that's not to scare you away from ever having a website, but definitely in the early days when you are just rapidly sponging information and gaining new clarity tenfold on the daily. You want to give yourself a good six months even to really make sure your services, your brand messaging, your imagery, the style, the feeling is all understood by you that you can verbalize it all dang day. You're not tripping over it, tripping over talking about what you do and who you do it for before Mm -hmm. you start putting that into written word for a website.
0: So good. I love that you said that because I think that is something that we feel like, I got to have this, I got to have this. And then you change it a hundred times. I definitely (laughs) felt victim to that. I can't tell you how many websites I've had over the years until I finally kind of found like, oh this is what it needs to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so, um, Okay, love that. I would also love if you can share just maybe one or two sales and marketing tips. I think you are so wise and such a genius when it comes to sales and marketing psychology. And for someone who may be in those early stages, but really struggling to attract the right client or get clients at all, and they're just really wanting to get started, but feeling like they're hitting a wall, what would you say to us? And maybe what would you I mean, I know, I I know you have a plethora of knowledge. So I'm just gonna drop that in your lap and whatever you feel like are the best couple of steps or tips to offer. I'm gonna let you just roll with it.
1: Okay, cool. I would say first would be the endowment effect. And this is in buyer psychology. So what this says is that when somebody pays for your curriculum, your service, their affinity and commitment to you and the service, and then putting in the work and getting the result increases threefold the moment that they swipe their credit card. So that says on the free side of the fence, prior to the purchase point, giving away some of your best stuff for free and not being worried about a little level of redundancy between what's paid for, maybe in that like first module or first session and what you're actually saying on the front side and or loving on your people going deep with advice and maybe even customized strategy in the DM just for a one quick interaction or message or doing a Facebook live and saying, Hey, this is my expertise. Do you have any questions about it? I'm offering free advice for the next hour. Drop your questions, mm-hmm. attend live, et cetera. You giving away some of your mind blowing moments and best stuff for free on the free side of the fence is going to get that no like and trust factor thriving and have people really loyalized to you so that they trust enough to buy. And when they buy and they are now on the, let's say they open up your course or they attend the first session with you, they are then coming into a commitment and an affinity level like rose colored glasses just dropped on their face. To where they're there with their notebook and they're like, all right, let's do this starting with lesson one. Even if they've heard it before, it makes a humongous difference on this side. So Mm. don't worry about giving away really great quality content. It's what's going to set you apart and help you skyrocket your sales. Mm. That's good. That's good. And then on if you're thinking about, you know, fun marketing strategies and getting out there with challenges or contests, or how can I, you know, cut through this noise and really get people in here and building a community around me, which is so, so key because mm-hmm. community lifetime value of these thriving, strong members, they're going to buy more from you. They're going to tell more people about you. You really want to focus on a small, but mighty, let's say 100 raving fans, mm-hmm. something I would suggest doing. Giveaways, challenges, prizes, all that fun stuff, gamify your business to make it fun to stand out. With that, though, there's something, again, by our psychology called the loss aversion theory, which Mm. says if the window for winning is too small, it makes the person feel they don't have a chance. And then they get inadvertently resentful to you and the offer by proxy. So that would be first five people to purchase or sign up or attend, get a one-on-one session with me if somebody sees that 20 minutes after it's posted they're going to look at their watch and say, "Oh crap, I probably already missed it. I'm just not going to enter." Mm-hmm. And even though you still want them to attend the challenge, they're just not going to get the, you know, free hoodie prize. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Meh, never mind, whatever. I can't win." Mm-hmm. It's just something we do as humans. If I can't win the thing, if I if I, I'm going to fight harder to keep my $5 than to win the $5 mm-hmm. that you have mm-hmm. on stage. Mm-hmm. So be careful to be extremely inclusive out of the get-go when you start gamifying and doing fun things because you want that community to feel like a family to each of the the people within the community themselves. Find a way to introduce them to each other, to make everybody feel safe and heard and like you're their go-to girl and you're the best kept secret out there and that they're going to attend and buy everything from you.
0: So good. See, told you guys she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to open up the floor and you say what you've got to say. That's good. No, super helpful. I think that's a really good way to put it and great starting points for anyone who feels like, where do we even begin with this? Why isn't this working? So good. Okay. One last piece of advice we'd love to hear from you is let's go back to Shannon two, two and a half years ago, trying to make this shift and this pivot and making a plan. What advice would you give to someone who knows they have an expertise? They have a great idea. They've thought through it. They've been noodling on it for years or months or weeks even, um, who wants to leave their full time job and start their own business. Can you just offer her a few practical steps to
1: take? Mm, yeah. First and foremost, foremost, we need to know who we're serving, how we're serving them, what problem we're solving. We really need to get that profile of our ideal client or customer defined. And you'll see if you, you Google or on Pinterest, look up like ideal client avatar worksheet, you'll see something that helps you map out demographic info. Um, you know, where does she live? What's she interested in? And that does help. It helps you with hashtags. And, you know, let's say you were going to do Facebook ads down the road, setting up that info. Yes, totally. But what I mean more so is what's the heart of the problem? What's that dire need that's keeping her up at night right now? And how can you solve that immediately? And how can you then, once you identify that problem, go deeper, deeper, deeper to make sure that your own Almost in her head that she reads that headline of a landing page and thinks, oh my gosh, I literally was just thinking that last night. Hmm. And as she keeps going, she's chuckling or she's nodding along or she's clutching her heart. She's like, wow, this person gets me. The more that in a saturated space, especially you can cut through the noise by bonding emotionally by so detailedly (laughs) nailing the problem, the more that that person's going to see themselves in the scene and say, oh, my gosh, this is my person Hmm. to do this. It really comes down to noting it within yourself. This is who she is. This is what I want to serve. And typically she's going to be a past version of you because that's where a lot of our skill set comes from. And if, if that is the case, perfect, you know, that story of yours from two years ago, like the back of your hand, but if it isn't, and it's a different profile, somebody you're uniquely qualified to serve, go do a little market research. You can go into Facebook groups or ask somebody if they know someone and offer, you know, a little strategy session or something in exchange for 10, 15, 20 minutes of their time, or if they do it from the kindness of their hearts. And ask them a few questions. If you could wave a magic wand and have this completely, this problem gone or this thing completely different in your life, what would that look like? Mm-hmm. Or fill in the blank. I'm struggling with this common thing for this reason. I can't overcome it because, and the more that you give her these leading prompts and you start having an open forum conversation, she's going to drop messaging nuggets of gold on you that help you define find not only the service, but also how to talk about it and attract that person. Mm-hmm. Noting that before you start creating content and pouring yourself into you know marketing and posting and, and trying to get in front of people, it's going to give you so, so, so much clarity. Um, and then from there, kind of what we talked about before, really making sure that we're rooted in customer excellence and them getting results, you might think like, oh, it's going to be so exciting. I'm gonna provide this service and we're all going to be happy, happy joy, joy, But then you're finding that they're not they're getting confused on the last session and they're not able to implement further or, you're selling a product and the person is really confused on your checkout page and they're not sure how to keep going from there, making sure that there aren't confusion pitfalls to really strengthen that offer is going to be pivotal so that you don't do everything right, get the person to the point of checkout, or they actually do buy and they're in a service and they're just confused and they can't get past something because that is going to be a real bottleneck within your growth. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So true. You guys take these steps, write them down, rewind and replay if you need to, but this is solid gold. Shannon not only knows how to leave a corporate job and go build what's becoming a million dollar company very, very quickly. Um, but she also really has the processes, the strategy and the steps and understands the relational side to marketing. And I think this is where so many of us get stuck when we're, especially when we're first getting started, because we think of sales and it can feel slimy. It can feel foreign, it can feel hard. And if you're just getting started and trying to find those clients, or you're six months in, a year in, and you just feel like you're hitting a wall and getting stuck, Shannon has so much gold to offer, as you've probably already realized in the last half hour. Shannon, where can everyone find you if they would love to learn more or dig into their own marketing strategy?
1: thank you so much. I'm at the social bungalow, which is the name of my business. I'm CEO and founder of a company that is all about education based support for female entrepreneurs. So we have courses and coaching and different ways to help you monetize your following scale, create courses, start that business, et cetera. So if you just come and connect with me on Instagram, that's where I hang out the most at the social bungalow, three words. I can point you in the right direction, or we can just chat in the DMS. I'd love to meet you.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Shannon, thank you so much for taking the time to tell us your story and walk us through those steps. We so appreciate everything that you've shared today. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, guys. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in.